I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Schreier. And we're here to spoil The Last of Us Part 2. Hell Finally. yeah. And if you don't want to be spoiled in The Last of Us Part 2, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, no, what are you doing get here? Get the hell out of here. Consider this this your big warning. This is a beans cast. I got a big can of beans here. I'm going to spill them everywhere. <laughs> I got a giant glass of wine, so I'm going to get frisky on this nice. oh, as, as we go through this episode. Jason's going to tell us what he really thinks. Finally. That is exciting. Finally. So yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk. We've talked a lot about this game on the show, but now we've all finished it, and we're going to talk with full spoilers, which, as we've mentioned and even like dedicated a whole episode to spoilers, shout out to the person who wrote in being like, you guys talk about spoilers too much. I, <laughs> well, it is important, I think, to talk about spoilers. I also understand that point of view. So <laughs> at least here, we don't have to worry about it. So we can now... Well, because every time we're going to like do a spoiler warning, we always get into a conversation know, about whether know, it's I actually it's a bad. Habit. We're gonna do it less. So, um, yeah. in the interest of that, moving on from the spoiler warning. So, we're gonna talk about this game, and it's gonna be cool. We're gonna kind of go through the plot. It's not really gonna be as much of a plot recap as some of our beans cast. I'm gonna try to just no. You yeah. all yeah. played the game. People know what happened in you the know game what by happened. now, right? We're you gonna talk about. Yeah. You've probably already heard and read yeah. about the game by exactly. this point. Exactly. So you weeks. know what happened in it. We're just gonna kind of, <laughs> but we are gonna go through the story and kind of pause to talk about it, and then we're just gonna talk about what we think and sort of yeah. let it all hang loose. So in the interest of that to start with uh, let's just go around and I want to hear with spoilers um, I kind of know what you each think of the game but a little maybe a little more spoilery what is your take and Jason you're the freshest so why don't we start with you yeah so I thought as I said before I thought it was way too long and I think that really hurt the story in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways Um, it just made the whole game feel like a drag Um, that said I think the story was not doing itself any favors I think that finding out and shout out to Rob Zachney who wrote a great piece about this advice that helped me kind of crystallize my thoughts on this but I think that finding out at the end of the game that Ellie and Joel had kind of reconciled and that she wasn't just filled with Mm -hmm. this rage about like not really having any closure and not getting to tell Joel what she really thought and not getting to forgive him Um, and that was kind of what I was assuming was driving her throughout this whole quest for revenge and murdering everyone she possibly could Um, I think think knowing that she and him had actually reconciled kind of makes you wonder why she was doing all of this Um, and so you kind of understand like okay her father figure was killed in front of her she wants to to have her revenge Um, but as you learn more and and as she realizes why he was killed, you might step back and think, wait a minute, like, doesn't she realize that, like, what he did was pretty fucked up and, like, he started this whole thing and didn't have to and really, mm-hmm. like, you're you're killing people who do not deserve to be killed? Anyway, we'll get into that. But overall, sure. I felt like the plot was on kind of shaky motivational foundations. Mm-hmm. Um I think it, it must be said that this is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. The animations are probably the best I've ever seen in a video game. Um, obviously, that comes as a, at a cost in terms of labor and number of hours I went into this project. But um, but it's it's worth noting that like in terms of sheer beauty, this game is like something to behold. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, between the length and questioning, like, why are these people doing these things? And especially towards the end of the game, when you get to, like, yet another faction introduced and yet another bunch of people to murder for no reason, it just started really wearing its welcome for me. So I think overall, I just didn't enjoy it, I would say. Like, I, it was definitely not a game that I would say that I liked. And it's too bad because I love the first game, I should say. I love the way, I loved everything the first game did. I thought it was pretty much a perfect video game for me but this one mm. i don't know it just did not sit right with me um maddie um, what are your overall thoughts spoilery thoughts 
Sure. Um, so I also didn't feel like the game held together in the way that I wanted it to. I was, I should say I was really looking forward to playing The Last of Us Part 2. I wasn't as much of a fan of The Last of Us Part 1. My criticism of it at the time was that I felt like Ellie in the service of the story was reduced to a sort of plot object, like objectification in the very literal media analysis sense of the mm-hmm. term, where she represents something as opposed to being relevant to the plot in some way. She doesn't really have agency in that original game. And I thought that was too bad, but that just wasn't the story they were telling. It's a story about Joel uh, and reconciling the loss of his daughter and Joel's feelings. And that's fine. It wasn't a story for me, but I was kind of like, okay, cool. I was really excited about the idea of playing a game as a daughter, reconciling her feelings about her father. I don't think this game is really even about that though. It's mostly still about Joel And Ellie's motivations are very strange to me in this game. And in some cases, I would say they don't exist functionally. And the fact (laughs) that the major twist of this game is that the other teen girl in the game also has a dead father that she is avenging (laughs) was a moment that I should not have found funny, but I did because it was so corny. (laughs) And I feel like from that point on, I was just like, well, you lost me, <laughs> and you're going to need to recapture me, and the game couldn't do it. But uh, I will say, before we get to you, Kirk, I was am so grateful, and I'm still so grateful that I had the chance to play this game in a total vacuum, mm-hmm. because it meant that every reaction that I before, had to the game... You played it before it came out. Right, I played it before it, it came out, because I was reviewing it for Polygon, and I could have these extremely pure reactions to every twist and story beat. I know that the way that I feel about the game is the way I really feel about it and like my disappointment with the story and also the things about the story that I think are wonderful are pure to me. Whereas I feel like if I had played this game in the way that you two had, which was like after hearing so much about it and seeing so much of the conversation about the game drive, I don't know, the the social media, (laughs) like all of it, it, it just would be so strange. I feel like I would not know what I really thought of it. I don't know if that's something you two have struggled with at all. And that's not really what the Beans cast is for, but I just feel kind of grateful that I know I didn't like this game and that it isn't just that someone <laughs> told me I didn't like it or or something like that. Like, I know that I really do feel the way I feel. Yeah, you have untainted feelings. That's you very know? very common, legitimate thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of nice. So what did you think of it, Kirk? Yeah, I have pretty complicated feelings about this game, but overall, I am frustrated by it as well. Um, I really, it took me a long time to kind of come down on how I feel about it. I have mentioned on the main show that I started a new game plus. I played a significant chunk of it. I think I'm almost up to day two in Seattle. I'm pretty much good. I'm done. Um, I think that the gameplay part of it is really fun. I like this kind of game, like hide-and-go-seek stealth action with really scrappy fights. I like games that kind of... um, like rub your face in the mud gameplay wise, like where you're always getting fucked over and things are breaking and everything is against you and you have to improvise. Like I like Far mm-hmm. Cry 2. That's like one of my favorite games. I'm yeah. into this kind of thing. And this game has a lot of that, of that just feeling of like, you've got almost nothing left and you just have to figure out how to make it work. So I like that part of it. Mm-hmm. And then narratively, I just think it's, I, I share some of both of your complaints with the motivations. I think, 
I mean, I think that it was remarkable when Abby and Ellie both realized that their mother was named Martha. No, You've been holding that one in for a while. You've been waiting to make I actually that just joke. thought of that joke. I was you like, you know what? It's really good. I think we can just end the show well here. Done. I think well we've done. done it, honestly. That's it. Bean's cast over. I made the best joke. But where is the Snyder cut of the last part two? <laughs> it all happened. Oh yeah, imagine God. the Snyder cut that's 40 hours long instead of 27. God, it needs um, to be longer. We need another faction introduced at the end. Maybe the Rattlers at the end need their own rival. <laughs> right. that's yeah, like just like 60 more hours. It's just the Rattlers. Right, right. What was those guys' deal? Uh, sure, How did they kidnap all the slaves? Why weren't they full crucifixes at the end? Why just go with the poles? Why not just go all the way with it? You know, <laughs> these are the questions I was left with during those closing. It's credits. true. It's true. I really want to know more about them. That was definitely how I felt at the end. No. So, okay. So I, yeah, I struggle with Ellie's motivation. And in the end, that is a huge problem for the game because Ellie, to me, is the character I cared the most about going into it. Coming Same. out of it, I care a lot more about Abby. And I think that's yeah. remarkable. I think it's yeah. cool for a sequel to introduce a new character and then do such good, such a good job fleshing them out that I care about about them but i think that's partly just a function of the fact that abby has a an arc for lack of a better word an ordinary arc where right. actually donkey the youtuber um made this point and he pointed out that essentially the game is two arcs and one of them is just the last of us one and the other is the last of us two yes, and that I they know. run across one another and i thought that was like a really smart observation yeah, yeah. like lev is the ellie and abby exactly. is his like, mom right yeah. Abby's story is just The Last of Us 1 all over Uh again. And that's... Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good story. (laughs) Right. That's why it works because The Last of Us... It's a reminder of like what we loved about that first game. And The Last of Us 1, it worked well because it had a self-contained arc, at least. Like you said, um, Maddie, it was Joel's story and... Ellie was sort of a function of that story, and it was the story right. of a guy who lost his daughter. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, by the way, but we don't have to get into that conversation. That's not what this show's about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely has her agency stripped from her, and that's the right. whole story. That's but the point I feel of like, the end. Yes, that's the right. end. But I actually right, felt right. like she had agency throughout the game until that I mean, that in point. theory, yes. But I feel like if you're going to end The Last of Us 1 with Ellie having her agency removed, that has to be the conflict of this entire second game. Yeah. And that is but, what I was waiting for, was that I was like give Mm -hmm. me those tortured moments with Ellie being like I wanted to save the world and I was denied the opportunity to do that and I feel so much resentment that I wasn't allowed to do this and that should be what's driving her. Well it should have been Joel should have been a presence yeah I mean I think that fundamentally like uh, the writers wanting it to be and and I'm not just going to say Neil Druckmann because there are a lot of people involved in the creative aspect of this story but them fundamentally wanting it to be a revenge story I think really hurt it and them wanting it to be like a story about how violence begets violence when it could have been a story about Ellie's like agency strip from her and how she feels about that and her uh, complicated feelings towards Joel and kind of exploring that as the focus rather than as the backdrop to the revenge story would be a lot more interesting to me I think yeah. yeah. So anyway, so just to sum up, I'm going to try to be brief here because we're going to do a longer thing at the end. But just basically that because Joel's arc was pretty tidy, like the story mm-hmm. of The Last of Us 1, it was like Guy loses his daughter. Guy meets a new young woman that he then comes to think of as a daughter. He almost loses her and makes a catastrophic decision to save her. And it ends on this ambiguous note of like, was that the right thing to do or not? Right. The uh-huh. end. And like that was yeah. neat. To take a sequel and decide to introduce not only that story, which is Abby's story and Lev, which is its own whole thing, and I actually feel like parts of that were even underdeveloped as overlong as the game was, and then also have that run as an ex-counterpoint to Ellie seeking revenge for Joel, and then also structuring Abby's whole arc as 
Abby basically started at the end of Ellie's story where she got revenge for the death of her father. And then right. Ellie's, it's like very advanced shit, narratively speaking. And it's just like too bad that they had to kind of make a couple of really big jumps with Ellie's motivation to get her where she needed to be. And then also uh-huh. made, like you said, Jason, the strange decision to then not actually leave it unresolved. Well, so I just, uh, to your point also, I think one of the great tricks of The Last of Us 1 is that it leaves you actually sympathizing with Joel, who did this objectively terrible thing at the end of the game, and it convinces you, like, it pulls this great trick of, like, convincing you that, like, maybe Joel did the right thing. Like, you kind of believe that, like, like you you believe in him, like, you like him, you want to root for him. You're like, oh, man, if that was my daughter, would I have done the same thing, right? And, like, that's a great trick of the that first That was game. the big question that, that Neil Druckmann yeah. would ask. But the, yeah. the big flaw of the second tra- game is that it doesn't do that because it leaves you just questioning why Ellie is doing these things yes. the whole time and like getting so frustrated with her stupidity at the end of it. So I think it like maybe it tries to do that, but it fails at least for me in like convincing. It sounds like it fails for any of us in convincing us any of us that like to sympathize with Ellie that Ellie was doing the right thing at all. I mean, I think there are people who sympathize with Ellie, and I would say the benefit to her is that she's very much a cipher in this game, which means mm-hmm. that a lot of the people I've certainly read people who enjoyed the game because I'm just trying to understand and like in a lot of (laughs) cases the people who enjoy it are people who are bringing a lot of their own self to bear and projecting it onto Ellie which is fine I mean there are many great video game characters that are ciphers and just do some stuff and it's not clear why and they're just the actor Mm -hmm. is emoting the heck out of some facial expressions and that's all we get from Ellie but I think to pair that with Abby's story where it's so clear what Abby's motivations are and she has such a tight arc I would say makes it worse because then it's like I don't understand like you you're comparing these two characters directly but one of them I understand what her deal is and the other one I do not so the the two halves do not fit together to me I want to come back to this I want to talk some about the structure of the game we've gotten some great emails about the structure of the game we'll do we'll do some of that at the end let's get into it I do want to say before we get into it we're not going to read any emails people have sent in about this game but we have gotten yeah we got some great ones though yeah we've got yeah, we have gotten a lot thoughts. of really good emails thanks everyone who wrote in like we have smart yeah, listeners thank you so much really we've enjoyed like, them a lot yeah, yeah it's been people who agree people who like the game people who didn't like the game everyone has been super thoughtful it's like really cool like it's like wow smarter people than us listen to this show yep. yeah y'all are smart yep. it's, it's nice to have smart listeners if, I know. yeah it Shout is out nice. to all of you so yeah. if you wrote in um if you wrote in with an email about this game thanks so much so all right let's get into it uh first i want to talk about the first act i would say it's kind of the prelude yeah. almost mm-hmm. it's like the good stuff the good part of the game <laughs> so just to extremely quickly nutshell this this is the sequence where ellie we meet ellie and we meet dina ellie and dina go out on patrol we were cu- cross-cutting with abby we meet abby we're not sure who she is then mm-hmm. she meets joel i actually figured this out i didn't know why she was there but I was like oh okay she's here to kill Joel like it just sort of seemed clear <laughs> she's there looking for somebody correct, and there's yeah. gonna be some kind of rug pull but anyways then she takes Joel basically just gets lucky brings him back they they mm-hmm. kill him they like torture him to death basically Ellie watches it happen and that sets Ellie on her path so it's kind of like our only look at Jackson and it's also the, the, the instigating event for the story Kind of, even though there are multiple instigating yeah. events for this story. Well, it's actually cool. Jackson, I think, if I remember correctly, there's really no other example of like a functioning society in The Last of Us's world until we see Jackson. So that is actually central to one of my like gripes with this game, or at least something that I wanted to see more of, is the fact mm-hmm. that Jackson... I have so many questions about Jackson. And about the way it works? Of, it's, it feels to me like this game wants so badly 
to explore the just this idea that like any group of people is going to probably turn bad and right. almost everybody in this game. And I, I feel like maybe it was in Zachney's piece. He pointed this out that almost everybody's desire is to like leave the group that they're in and go off on yes. their own. It's like repeatedly the goal. I mean, like um, Lev and his sister, uh, Yara, they want to mm-hmm. leave the Seraphites and Abby and Owen, they want to leave the WLF. The WLF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ellie and Dina dream of living on a farm. I don't know if Lev and Yara want to leave as much as they're kicked out, but um, well, okay, but, but yeah. like, point is, each of these characters is like very much standing apart from their organizations, and especially the Seraphites and the WLF, who are kind of, it's like the WLF probably get the biggest exploration through like things that you pick up and documents you read, and then all the time you spend with Abby. Then the Seraphites are below that. You don't get as much about them, but you get more. And then Jackson is way down at the bottom. So to bring this back to Jackson, I'm like, so the two groups that everyone wants to leave clearly suck. Like, one is like this creepy militia where they're torturing people all the time. The other is this like fallen religious organization that's totally ignoring the doctrine that they were supposedly founded on and is like torturing people. And Jackson mm-hmm. seems kind of fine. I like you're walking around Jackson and it's pretty nice. Like it seems awesome. Yeah. And they don't kill people on site. They're not they don't have a militia. They're not out conquering people. They're just like we have a town. We're keeping it safe. We welcome new people. It's repeatedly mentioned that like when you write up as Joel at the very beginning there's a sign on the door that's like identify yourself before you come closer it's not like you'll be shot on sight it's like we just need to know who you are and yet Jackson was kind of totally well there's also a homophobe some guy's homophobic for some reason yeah I was gonna say this is a, te- a perfect idyllic town where two girls can't kiss at a no, dance no 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 but that's <laughs> Of course, but like that's the point. Like it's just a society of people, and like the right. guy had was it's made normal. to apologize by the leader of the town, and like sure, there's like bigots there and assholes and whatever. Like I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's not like a hellhole. It's not right. a, a society that is itself like toxic and shitty. It's a group of people trying to make it work, and that to me seems interesting. That the game does allow that to exist as a starting point, but then shows no real interest in exploring it other than just as a contrast to these horrible groups that we meet up in Seattle. So I found that yeah. kind of frustrating, especially mm-hmm. on a replay. Yeah, well, so especially, I think it was Gita Jackson, our former colleague, who I saw talking about this, but there might have been an article as well, so shout out to whoever wrote this. But I think especially in contrast to the current pandemic, yes. um, in which people are just like being kind to each other, and, and for the most part, other than like, shitbags who refuse to wear masks in stores and stuff like that but like here in new york at least people are just have just been like elevating their levels of kindness to one another and i think in general like what we've seen from this sort of thing is that it can bring out the best in people but this Mm -hmm. game is such a cynical nihilistic point of view that it's like we the the main three factions the seraphites the wlf and then the rattlers who are just fucked up barely deserve consideration (laughs) that's like a parrot like a parody of themselves Uh, but but that's a lot of other people yeah. The, yeah the point of view this game has is that people are generally bad sure. yeah it's like yeah. this game is saying oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. these people are all jackson do is the exception yeah. yeah jackson exactly. is like the weird outlier where like people are largely getting along and they're making it work but if you leave yeah. those walls it's just a lawless society exactly people have devolved and jackson feels the most believable to me like walking around it i'm like this feels right. believable there's jerks here there's normal people people have their own little like dramas there's various tensions between different groups but everyone's basically in it together they're trying to make it work and it seems like they've been doing that for many years and like it's been going okay and that mm-hmm. it's like weird that it starts in this which is why it's a shame that the game takes right. away from like 
like leaves that and goes into a whole different. But direction. that's like the point of it is that it's wait. It couldn't exist without it. It needs to just push Jackson to the background, which is too bad. I mean, it, it would just it could have been so many other things, and instead it's just like, well, that's not really what we're dealing with here. There's this whole hell world we're gonna go up to a little ways to the <laughs> west. Let's get over there. Yeah. So that I found frustrating. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. If I were the WLF or the Seraphites, I would simply leave Seattle and go to one of the many other <laughs> uninhabited cities. Yeah. Like go to Jackson, for example. Like, go to. Yeah, go hang there's out no, Jackson. There's no network. There's no information. That starts to get into like this isn't believable territory, which is kind of less interesting. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not I mean, believable, but I tried not to think about those yeah, aspects of it. Which and isn't that hard. Look at what the game was focusing on and saying. But if you're making, if you're trying to do this grand metaphor, yeah, if you're trying yeah. to say like, look, this is like Israelis and Palestinians. If you're gonna like make this a big metaphor, like in in real life, they have very specific reasons for fighting over the same patch of That's land, right. as opposed to Seattle, which really like who gives a shit? Like they could go, any of them could go Doesn't, anywhere. Yeah, I mean that was part of my issue with Jackson too, and like all the different organizations was that I was like, none of these have existed for long enough that anyone should have these like deep ties to any of the organizations that they've joined. Like yep. the cult is so young compared to like an actual organized religion. That's not to say cults can't happen in, in right. a situation where people are, you know, very put upon. Obviously they're very stressed out. Like uh, there's uh-huh. a lot of vulnerable people who might be interested in joining up with a cult, but it, it's very strange to me that I'm expected to care about these conflicts as though they are on the level of like a massive, socio-political backdrop to all of this when they can only have been going on for a few decades and that's fine with me but i, I just felt like yeah that I, I just felt like it was something about the game that didn't quite work <laughs> was that i was just like it's it's too bad that this game doesn't seem fully like it wants to make these grand political statements about the time we're in or, or the time we were in 10 years ago you know whenever they were making this game they didn't know about the mm-hmm. pandemic but it's it's like almost Life funny family. how little it landed in terms of that because the grand conflicts that it's depicting don't line up with real ones because they can't because it's not our world. But then also they don't line up with the version of the pandemic that we're seeing now. So I don't know. I'm, I've been going on too long. What do you think, Kirk? <laughs> this is just a thought I'm having based on what you're saying. But it's kind of like this game both does and doesn't take place in our world. And that yes. that is actually a kind of distracting thing about it at times. Yes, where There maybe is a version much. of this story that is just a different place, like with different people. That's still <laughs> yeah. a post-apocalypse, but just isn't our world or isn't supposed to be. Where... You don't have people who literally remember what things were like. Like, Joel isn't that old, and he was, like, already kind of a middle-aged dad dude when, you know... Yeah, the, in 2013, which is when the zombie the apocalypse happened. The first thing happened yeah. in 2013, yeah. right. Right, so I guess it's, like, right, 2037 or something in this Yeah, game, I think it's 2039, yeah. 2039, okay. So it's, like, that alone makes it feel a little odd that the, pan- that the whole apocalypse is so young. Because, like you mm-hmm. said, why is anyone so dug in to where they are? Jackson, again, I kind of buy that, like, in 20 years, people would make some kind of settlement like that. Maybe not exactly like that, but that feels, okay, if a whole bunch of people got killed or turned into zombies, some of the people who survived would probably make little... Organizations that would like happen that. right away, I think. Sure, mm-hmm. like you would yeah. need to to survive, and like but yeah, but this deeply rooted conflict between the WF and Seraphites, right. that part makes no sense. Right, yeah. it's a, they're definitely more of a stretch. So, anyways, to to look at this section, I don't know any any further thoughts on this prologue. I mean, I the section where Joel gets murdered is just 
It's so it brutal. Really yeah. gratuitous. Did you really need to see like all of that? I, I guess you're supposed to be like feeling through Ellie's eyes, and like that's supposed to help you empathize with with Ellie's decisions. Is like seeing yeah. how brutally Joel is murdered, and yeah, I mean that kind of like sets you off on this. It actually doesn't really make sense based on what we know of Abby that yeah. she would delight in torturing Joel and mm-hmm. like murdering him quite like that. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't because like later on we're told like oh Abby's actually one of the best of the WLF. Like she's an expert at killing scars. I mean that's all like stuff that happened before the events of the game but it doesn't mean she likes torturing like a dude I think to we're death. supposed to believe she does I mean does some of torture. these are issues that I have with the game is that I'm mm-hmm. like I feel like I don't fully understand who some of these people are but yeah, yeah I, I think we're supposed to believe Abby's very cold-blooded and that part of that cold-bloodedness is driven by her desire to avenge her father's Mm. death. Although when this scene happens, we don't know that she's avenging her dad. We just think she's killing Joel for no reason. Although I certainly had my guesses as to why somebody might have it out for Joel. It was, yeah, it was kind of an obvious guess. Mm -hmm. I thought at least, I mean, I didn't assume. I didn't guess the dad thing. (laughs) The dad. Yeah. But I assumed that she was related to the fireflies in some way and like was getting revenge. Actually, given that they sh- the way that they kind of highlight the doctor in that first flashback when Joel is telling Tommy about what he did, I actually kind yeah. of was like, you figured did you guess it? Yeah. That's but it makes funny. sense. Well, so playing it again though from the at the beginning, it's a better narrative experience. Like in that you see what they're doing a lot more clearly. Like mm-hmm. I think that this game actually hides things from you in ways that I don't always think serve the narrative. Like I don't actually get why it waits to reveal some things to you when yeah. it could tell you and make it a little bit clearer. Um, it's like very uh, literary and stuff and, and it's cool at times to be like, oh, I'm going to get some new information, but it, you're having to keep a lot in your head because you're talking about mm-hmm. a 27 hour game that it's then asking you to recontextualize various scenes. But playing the scene again, having already played it, the whole all the scenes playing as Abby when she's arguing with Owen, like it all makes more sense just because I know those characters more and those characters do all get so fleshed out in Abby's chapters that it all holds up, I guess. Like it 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 feels different the second time through. And right. her murder of Joel feels pretty extreme. Like it does feel like they needed to like you said, Jason, they needed to give Ellie motivation to be so angry because this is sort of a game that he said as much like I think Druckmann said in that interview right it's like a game about being so furious that you just like want to hurt people like it's about anger and and like that universal hate universal hate and so it's trying to make us hate Abby the way that Ellie does but right Right. it just it doesn't totally make sense because it's so intense and you're like wow okay damn (laughs) like she really killed Joel but Having played through Abby's storyline, I really like Abby, and Abby doesn't do that to anybody else. Yeah. Anyways, no, it's all it's it all stuff that we've really already make, said. Like it it doesn't yeah. totally add up. It doesn't. Yeah. And by the way, I should say by the way, I, I'm I'm sure some people out there are listening and be like, "What is with all this nitpicking?" I think that like a story like this really demands to be intellectually analyzed on a level that most video game stories do not. And Absolutely. that is to yeah. well, that is to the game's credit that yes, it wants to be taken seriously as a story. And I think it does definitely deserves like like bonus points for trying. Like it does, it really does. Like deserve points for effort for like putting in all of this ambition totally. to tell this type of story. The problem is that it didn't really work and Naughty Dog has done that sort of ambition for stories that worked much better for me but yeah, yeah. that's just worth worth noting before we get to completely agree no I think that like the, if the worst sin of a game that really ambitiously tries to do something is that it doesn't pull it off that's actually fine like this all yeah. of this is fine with me I'm not yeah I think I, I've called the game worthy before and I think sometimes the word worthy can come across like you're being like 
it's great, but I really just mm-hmm. mean it in the way of like, this is a worthy story. Like they really are trying to tell a story here and that is worth our consideration, which is why we all have so many thoughts about it. So yeah. the next kind of section we're going to talk about is Ellie in Seattle. So this is really mm-hmm. all three of Ellie's days in Seattle. It's kind of a slow burn at first that then quickly escalates into a series of like increasingly horrifying encounters. Shout out to the synagogue scene, my favorite scene in the game. That's yeah. at the beginning Day when one. it's pretty chill, the kind of most pleasant part where she and Dean are just riding around on Shimmer, Ellie's horse. Looking around. Yeah, where it's like basically a different game. It's like an it's open world home. game for, yeah. for <laughs> What it really is, is it's um, Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's the exact same right. structure as Uncharted Lost Legacy. Two women in a vehicle, I guess it's a Jeep in that, and it's a, a horse in this game going yeah, around. I'm, I'm glad, in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't spend that much time exploring there, because I would have felt like the game was even longer. Oh, I liked God. it. I liked this part a lot. I like. I explored I explored. I liked all it the... too. This was like my favorite no, part. No, I, li- I like that part a lot too but i wound up like convincing the story without exploring every nook and cranny and i think mm-hmm. if i had explored every nook and cranny i would have been like even more like infuriated by how long it was. i mean possibly i i feel like this the beginning of the game was the part that i actually loved and i yeah, felt I like it had so too. much promise and i was like so willing to come along with the game that i was like so much more disappointed later. no i agree i agree i agree i'm just saying you just really want to imagine a theoretical version of yourself who liked the game even less Jason, yeah or like saying. a theoretical exactly. version of me that just stayed riding around Shimmer forever that, and yeah. just kept looking at the same houses over and over again and just being yeah. like, yeah, this is a cool video game. And then maybe I turn it off and I, I just leave it there. That would have been well, cool. Ellie and Dina, <laughs> I could, I could, I would definitely play a game where Ellie and Dina just explore the, like travel the country, killing zombies and stuff. That'd be They're fun. great. They have great chemistry, yeah. great dialogue. They have great chemistry. Very yeah, believable. It's, it's their whole falling in love story is a delight, except pretty soon Dina is going to have a physical reason to no longer be in the game. Yeah, yeah, we'll so. get there. So this, yeah, this section, um, I this is part of the thing that I replayed on New Game Plus, and I really liked it, just because it's like a lot of zombie fighting. You're not in a lot of the gunfights, which got pretty hard on hard. That was actually where I adjusted the difficulty down, because I was like, holy to shit. Like, getting in a gunfight <laughs> with 15 people is actually really hard when, like, one bullet takes away most of your health. Um, mm-hmm. But I liked replaying this section, too. But anyways, they, this is the, where they explore, but then things kind of quickly become much more linear it's sort of when you can see it coming like when the horse like, dies they kill the horse and it's yeah, like oh my god of course well, they do. different game now yeah they're <laughs> they're riding and there's just this scene where like they're like let's just find somewhere to chill for the night and it's like okay and i'm like this game has been relaxed for way too long and then the very next thing they jump over like a landmine goes off and yeah shimmer mm-hmm, gets killed mm-hmm. and then there's just a whole bunch of stuff happens ellie kills the one guy that asshole whose name i don't even remember with the mm-hmm. scar on his face who she cut to begin with as he's trying to kill dina then they go to the tv station this is like they're kind of following the path both the path of, of tommy, tommy who is yeah. run off ahead and uh, they're also just trying to track down abby she's like gradually learning who they all are by finding these pictures in everyone's books i also forget this woman's name this is another person who was there mm-hmm. and i think she was like hooking up with manny maybe because manny left behind a thing or maybe she's hooking up with the guy whose face got cut and he has like a note from her there's Whatever. a whole thing where there's like a romance tommy already killed them though right and right they just find the bodies there was a romance between two characters both of whose names I don't even remember within Abby's group and you find <laughs> notes between them and that's like how she gets to the TV station anyways yeah right. so when she gets there everyone there is dead because Tommy has gone through Tommy is basically also a video game protagonist so he's capable he of killing like 50 people and you'll and he gets his like grand yeah. video game protagonist moments in this which he really can does. be kind of fun I mean yep. like there's a there's a level of it that almost works for me where mm-hmm. I'm like just everybody's a video game protagonist and if they just lean fully into that as opposed to being <laughs> self-serious then Maybe it all would have yeah. worked. I don't know. But yeah, Tommy's on a on Well, a there's hunt. this scene where like 
you walk through and express kind of horror in the yes, aftermath of a video like, game Tommy's protagonist done the video having game murdered shit. everybody. He's right. already done it for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's, and that's just like an effective thing to do, though, right? It's kind of like, what is the purpose of it in this game specifically? But it's, right. but it's neat. So anyways, it's you find her. Keep going. This is like just the long build up to the hospital where Ellie finally goes to the hospital. Jesse shows up, who is Dina's ex. Dina's ex. We learn. Recent ex. Very recent. <laughs> recent enough that Dina is pregnant with Jesse's child, which we also learn um, going into day two. Ellie, Ellie revealing her immunity to Dina is just never brought up again. It's just like a whole plot point that never is discussed once. You know, the, yeah. The well, they, there's the gas mask breakage scene, which mm-hmm. is pretty dramatic. It's a dramatic reveal of Ellie's immunity. Right, that's immunity, what I'm saying. But, After that, yeah. it's never brought up again. Which is After hilarious. that, Dina's kind of like, I'm pregnant and I'm very, right. very sleepy. <laughs> it runs so into tired. a couple challenges. <laughs> I like the initial scene. This is a scene we didn't talk about where they smoke weed together. They discover yes. Dina's old um, running buddies like weed stash and they have sex for the first time it's very romantic it's adorable it's all very cute and in that scene um, they're kind of lying there afterward in their canoodling honest (laughs) moment and Ellie is like she's like where'd you get this scar and she's like oh well a a zombie bit me and I like never turned and Dina is like oh shut the fuck up so Ellie really is trying to tell her and it's nice right and then I think they're interrupted and so she like doesn't really have the chance to to be straight about it and then later obviously Ellie's like I did try to tell you that I was immune you just didn't believe me and Dina sort of reflects and is like yeah I guess that's true shit's crazy though it's a classic superhero moment like it's like why do you have that scar it's like oh because I'm the flash and then later it's like I told you (laughs) and they're like oh good joke she's Batman though are you forgetting she's she's Batman Sorry, it's very important. Wait, is she Batman or is she Superman? I guess Abby is Superman. Abby is Superman. Ellie is definitely Batman. That's very true. Um, Okay, so, but anyways, yeah, we find out that Dina is pregnant, and I just want to say my my main thought on this is that the lead up to this, I actually didn't see it coming. I should have because it's like all of the cliched markers of of a pregnant character. She throws up. She's she's, throwing up. She's so tired. The fact that she's tired to me. It was because they they had talked earlier, right before the mine blows up the horse, where she's like, oh, man, it's getting late. Like, we need to find somewhere to break right. down. Then the mine blows up the horse. They kill, like, 50 people. They keep going. <laughs> they get to, like, the TV station. They kill a bunch more clickers, a bunch of people. They go for, like, hours. And Dina's just like, I am so tired. Yeah. And I was like, this is, I have in my notes, I'm just like, this is really interesting because I've never seen a video game character just say that they're tired before. I know. When they normally I liked it, too. But then be. it, right. like, has an explanation. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's almost too bad. I was bad. like, oh, I thought she was just tired. <laughs> and I think <laughs> liked that more. <laughs> I liked it more, too. And I also liked the idea that it's not Dina's fight. Like, Dina is really coming along with she, Ellie yes, on a revenge quest that is not her own. She cares about Ellie, and she's very clear about that. Right? Clearly, she super has the hots for Ellie because mm-hmm. she is, like, risking her life and going yeah. all the way for this girl Based on, like, I mean, a pretty mysterious situation. Like, throughout the game, Ellie's kind of like, yeah, uh, Joel got in trouble a few times. Who can say, mm-hmm. really? Uh, I don't really know what happened there. Can't can't give you any details. Which, like, come and on. And I guess you're, you're, it's supposed to be ambiguous whether she knows that right. he knows. But well, so, and replaying those sections, it's no longer ambiguous, and you know. So playing it on New Game Plus, it's very clear that she's just not telling Dina everything. Yeah, but that's Which is understandable. Rough. and it's fucked up. You know, though, it, so all this stuff where she's lying to, to Dina and sort of like just... And Jesse and, and everybody, And everyone. It makes me think that there's like this other version of the story that I don't think is the story they're trying to tell. But a couple of Ellie's lines make it sound like she just wants to die. And like right. she says to Abby in the like... 
Abby says this classic scene, and obviously this is later, but she's like, we let you live and you wasted it. And Ellie's right. like, I'm the one you want. Like, don't kill her. It's me. Like, I was the one that Joel was saving. I'm the reason your dad has died. And she's figured it all out. And she's like, I should have died there. My death would have meant something. Like, right. and that's kind of what Ellie wanted. And that's one possible read of Ellie's motivation throughout this whole thing is she's basically on a suicide mission and she doesn't want to tell anyone that because, you know, she like wants to get it done. See, that's interesting, though, because then she should be telling everyone like, go away, which I guess she arguably is. But she kind of isn't. And that's what I mean. I don't think that it actually works or adds up because she isn't like she's kind of. Maybe it's just that she's so it's so complicated and she doesn't fully know what she wants, but that's just confusing. Right. Like it's and like and it's wh- not as interesting as her at least either vocalizing what she wants or if she can't right. vocalize it, we need to at least know. My pitch for what would make it work a little better is what if Ellie is the person who knows the whole time about Joel and we know that she knows somehow that's revealed mm-hmm. to us and then she still doesn't want to reveal it but everybody else wants to go on the revenge quest for Joel and she's mm. the one who's like I don't know. I really just don't think we should do this. But she's like dragged along because she doesn't want to admit because she has this Mm. crushing guilt over not being able to save the world. I just feel like that version then. And also perhaps she feels some resentment towards Joel still. And she feels guilty about being resentful. Mm -hmm. And maybe she's even like a little happy that he got was coming to him. She feels guilty about that, perhaps. I mean, there's so many other ways you could go with her character that I feel like would be truer to the version of Ellie that... I remember who right. was pretty devoted to saving the world and being yeah. the one with with immunity and this version of Ellie is really just devoted to Joel but like doesn't seem to be as torn up as I would have expected her to be mm-hmm. about everything else it's it's just an, a strange choice yeah. and like particulars aside it's just this sort of this feeling that like there are so many different ways you can take a story like this this doesn't yes. have to play out according to the actions of real human beings these are written characters and like as a result of that it's just like if you're going to tell a story and it's going to be so confusing on this kind of inner level what the character is thinking and like does she want to mm-hmm. die or and what do they know what does she know or not know and we don't right. know yet yeah and does she hate herself does she hate joel is this about abby or is this about ellie and yeah. there are stories where it's like that is really ambiguous and then it achieves these moments of clarity that are really striking like i can think of stories where it doesn't need to be super neat where the characters sit there and like explain all of their whatever feelings at the end right. of every scene but this is too far, I think, on the side of it just not being totally clear. And then each time you come up with a theory for why she's doing it, there's then all this counter evidence. And you're like, well, then what the hell? Like, if the point is just that people are confusing and complicated, like, that's fine for the real world, but it's not that narratively satisfying. Yeah, it's not like, a satisfying story. I mean, that was kind of where I left it is that I was like, is my problem just that I don't like Ellie as a person? Is it just that I don't like <laughs> Ellie or do I not like this game? And then I sort of zoomed out from it and I'm like, no, I'm fine with it if Ellie's very selfish and unlikable. Like, you can tell a story where Ellie is so traumatized and so mimicking Joel's actions that she just becomes the person that she is in this game, but like, the story doesn't work still because the pacing of it and her motivations aren't entirely clear. So it's more structural for me. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. just that she's unlikable. Yeah. That's well, chill. so now it's worth talking about the structure as a yeah. whole, the way that it's structured with flashbacks in between each day. And then also the way it's structured with part two being from Abby's perspective and then her own out of order. It's all out of order. It can mm-hmm. be confusing. Um, not in terms of definitely not in terms of the story, which I think is actually pretty straightforward in terms of like the events that are happening. Like you're never right. watching something and confused as to like how it fits in 
into the overall story. Mm-hmm. But in terms of character motivations, it's extremely confusing because you don't know, as you pointed out, Maddie, you don't know what Ellie knows when until the very end of the game. Right. And that's left as kind of like a, a, a mystery, is like her motivations are a mystery. And in a story like this, where you, as the player, find yourself questioning her motivations um, because her actions don't actually make that much sense, I feel like it does a disservice to the story to have her motivations be like a plot twist like right. uh, and left ambiguous to you until you see like oh she did actually know it, it I mean arguably they're left a twist forever I I don't know I was going to they... say like the twist is that they don't make as much sense as you thought they did which is like <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. sorry no what I meant what what her her amount of knowledge is the right, plot yeah, twist yeah. what she knows is a plot twist that's what I meant to say and that mm-hmm. therefore inspires her motivations right so like right. the fact that she's doing these things you are forced to play as her murdering all these people torturing Nora even though you might not want to you have to press that button nothing yep. else you can do um, I think that that like the fact that her amount of knowledge you're like asked to inhabit uh, Ellie and be culpable for the violent things she does and experience the violence through her but because you don't actually know what she knows it creates this weird tension that I think is very unpleasant and not really it doesn't do a lot for the story it just doesn't work that I think the specific thing about inhabiting Ellie I think that one listener wrote in about this and I do feel this way as well is that I didn't struggle with that only because I never felt like I was responsible for Ellie's actions even when I was controlling her it was just so clear from the beginning and this is I think on purpose this was true of the first game you're not in charge of Ellie like you make no decisions for her other than like do I kill the person on the left or the person on the right or like occasionally do I go to this optional place I can explore but like <laughs> you're, Ellie is just doing what she's doing this is essentially as close to an interactive movie as you can get in a video game which is I don't mean that as a slight they were trying to make this kind of game and Naughty Dog is very good at this kind of game this is how all of their games are and like that so that to me at least the idea like that torture scene where you press square the only thing that was weird about that scene is that you have to press square at all because to me it made <laughs> right, no it difference just it was happened. like yeah, it could have like, just been a cutscene like what yeah. but but that itself but, is trying to say a lot like it's it's trying to say something by making the player press I know Maddie's read is that this game is trying to make you feel guilty for all the killing that Ellie I is mean, doing I feel this way but I also think I just feel really differently from you Kirk like I I related so much more to Ellie than to Joel or than to most video game protagonists because she is very similar to who I am and like mm-hmm. I remember being a 19 year old queer person who was socially awkward and like made mistakes so like just by default like when I was playing the game and like talking to my girlfriend about it my girlfriend's name is Dina by the way so like <laughs> yeah. there were so many things about this game that were like weirdly getting in my head which I'm sure influenced my read of it and made it almost like easier and harder for me to connect with Ellie because I was just like I feel like I remember being 19 years old and like having trauma and dating a girl and like falling in love with my best friend and realizing she's not straight. And like all of that reminded me of like real life experiences Mm -hmm. that I'd had. And I was like, man, I'm like really connecting to her. But then the fact that she was doing all this stuff that I didn't understand at all made it so much more uncanny as a result because I was like, sure. what is happening right now? Like, well, so what? I want to draw a distinction that I, I don't, I, I certainly relate to Ellie and to Joel in different ways, but like I relate to both characters, but I don't like feel as though my actions controlling them 
or in any way implicating me in what they're right. doing. Like I, I relate to both characters. I follow their stories, but like but when like, I'm playing, I do a, feel that way. But that might just be a difference in how we see games. You uh, know? This kind of game. But I don't understand, Kirk. You don't think that the point of the game, that the the motivation in the game, the goal of the game, was to make you feel guilty for like killing these guards who are screaming each other's names after they die, or like having to torture Nora yourself? No, like, no, you no. I think there's an important distinction, or at least in my read, there's an important distinction between making me feel guilty and making me feel bad about what I'm seeing Ellie do. To me, mm-hmm. it's like, it doesn't make me feel guilty like the game is saying, haha, fuck you for playing a violent game. That's the distinction I'm drawing. This is like a spec ops But you thing. could have gone through without killing the people. Like, you could have snuck around and not killed all those guards who are in your But you kind of can't, though, because you still have to kill people in cutscenes. Or... Quick time events. But that's, I'm talking about the, like the shouting of names. That to me seems like it's designed. It's a cheap trick, I think, but it seems like it's designed to make you feel guilty. Not just bad for what Ellie's doing, but like guilty for shooting these people who have names. Look, they have families, as opposed to sneaking around them and avoiding death. But I think that the execution is perfectly believable if you're just like, almost treating it like a movie. Like, you're playing it, and it still sucks. Like, it it drove home for me the fact that Ellie was killing people and that Ellie was behaving monstrously. But then why would the game force you to press the square button to torture Nora? Like, that to me is evidence that the game is trying to make you feel guilty, and it's not working for any of us. See, I think that scene is so out of place that that makes it the exception that proves the rule. Basically, I'm just drawing a distinction between the kind of game that is really going out of its way to implicate the player and make a statement about violent games, a game like Spec Ops the line a game like you know hotline miami which this game even includes an easter egg to and this game which feels like while at times it does go into that like world it kind of steps into that certainly the press square to torture this character is like the closest moment for that by and large it never really felt that way to me because it just didn't like it didn't connect in the same way it didn't feel like it was like really actively going after that which is why i actually think the fact that you press square in that scene is weird because it goes it goes even farther into this realm of like oh you're the real monster you're the one killing and i'm like this isn't that game this game hasn't uh-huh. been really trying to make that point from the beginning and now yeah. suddenly i'm having to press square to do this where in the first last of us there's a scene where joel tortures a guy and it's just a cutscene. and that mm-hmm. to me i was like okay this game isn't actually trying to make a statement in the same way that spec ops was but you do have to kill the medical professionals at the end of the first last of us like there isn't a way to end the game until you do that so. and it's i guess it's an example of the first game doing the same kind of thing because i've seen a lot of critiques of that being like why did i have to right, do that but it builds up to that like like i would say that's the strength mm. of the first last of us is that it builds up to the moment when joel goes beyond the pale yeah and that's justified because that makes you wonder right makes you question like wait am i doing this and and it's all it's all precedented by his relationship to ellie and even if you see the flaws in what he's doing you understand it and that's the whole purpose of that scene whereas this game is trying to capitalize on that emotional weight over and over again but without any of the justification for it or the lead up to it which is part of why it feels so hollow to me and and yeah. I would agree makes me feel guilty, but like guilty over something I don't understand. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. why am I right? Why? Why does Ellie need to go this far? Why do I have to feel bad about a thing that I don't even understand why it's happening in the first place? Like, right. I don't get why anyone's doing any of this. So, yes, I feel bad that it's happening, but I don't know why they're doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. there's a so I recently watched a video and I'll, that I thought was really good by Jacob Geller. He's a YouTuber. And he did this video called, it was about ugly games. And I just randomly, someone tweeted, I think maybe Chris Plant tweeted it, and I just watched it. Because like sometimes I just, you know, I watch long YouTube videos. Yeah. And it was about Kane and Lynch 
Max Payne 3, and Kanan Lynch 2. It's about these three games. And it led me to have an interesting thought related to all of this about The Last of Us Part 2. And I've never played the original Kanan Lynch. It sounds like a nightmare. I don't want to play that game. Um, <laughs> I have played Max Payne 3, and I really like that game, even though it is exceptionally ugly and like set in this just vile place full of vile people. And I haven't played Kan much of Kanan Lynch 2, but I think that that game is fascinating. This is the one that's like a handheld camera. The whole thing looks like this crazy like war footage. Everything is broken and falling apart yeah. and on fire. It's totally the oh, kind yeah. of game that I would love. <laughs> so I was thinking about a thing with this game's combat, with the fact that it kind of is imp both implicating and not implicating the player, this weird mm -hmm. space that it's in, and one of the sort of tensions that I find in it, and it's really close to a tension that I find in Max Payne 3. And I like playing both games. And as I was you know, putting more hours into this game to play New Game Plus, I was like, this feels kind of similar to me to Max Payne 3, in that both are these like supremely polished, very like enjoyable and well-made games when you're just in the zone playing the game. I really like playing it. I like the act of hunting down clickers or like going up against this super smart AI that they've designed and like yeah, being same. all creative in these incredibly designed levels that sort of push you around, but you can like get one over on the bad guys. And in Max Payne 3, I love the, the gameplay of that game is amazing. Like it's so polished. It's like a rock star level of polish on a single player linear game. But both games are kind of too polished like they're too slick they're kind of too fun and maybe this is a weird thing to say and this is i'm a little bit i'm borrowing from jacob geller here because that was his take on max Payne 3 he it was that it's an ugly game that's meant to portray an ugly like ugly actions in an ugly world but the game itself is like so fun and well made and amazing and like sweet and empowering that it just never fully lands the ugliness because it's too fun and i do mm -hmm. think this game kind of struggles with that where They've created this really ugly, horrible world with all these people who are suffering, who you're murdering, who are calling out to their friends, but it's also really fun to play. And it, even on the harder difficulties, it never just feels like this, this sort of awful, weird, maybe like it would need to be a much more experimental game to get into the headspace of someone who's mm. like actually doing what Ellie is doing. And I think I right. would have preferred to play that game, even though it probably wouldn't have sold as many copies and would have been way more <laughs> divisive. That would yeah. have been pretty cool to like play a game that is as ugly as what it's depicting instead mm -hmm. of being this supremely well-made, like yeah, <laughs> apex of craft across every level thing that is still about that ugliness. Um, let's move on with the story, shall we? So basically, Abby, all this stuff happens. Abby heads out. She kills, geez, she kills Mel. She kills Owen. She kills everybody. Um, yep. She meets back up with Tommy. She comes back and... Um, she kills the dog, by the way. You have to oh, stab yeah, the, dog the dog. She kills a bunch of dogs, but she kills that dog, yeah. Yeah. You have to kill that one. And um, at this point, she is totally ruined. Like, she was ruined by the torturing. Like, she's clearly, like... Yeah. broken at this but point. But she kills a woman who she realizes is pregnant, who is Mel, and I feel like that's supposed to be the point that is depicted as too mm -hmm. far, which I was already like, this is it? I, right. I feel like we hit that a while ago, Ellie, <laughs> yeah. but alright, you, you were 48 hours into the murder spree and you thought, wow, people can be pregnant. My mm -hmm. girlfriend's pregnant. This is really messed up, you guys. Martha. Yeah, so she basically meets up back up with Tommy. And just to get us yeah. to the end of this section, and then we can talk about it. Heads back, and things have really just fallen apart in general. And then she yeah. comes out, and Abby shows up. And Abby is, like, furious. All of her friends are dead. She, yeah. she kills Jesse, like, just boom, really kills him mm -hmm. in that sort of really 
shocking like way. instantaneous, just, brutal yeah, He just gets way. killed in the way that people die in this world all the time and in yep. this game. And then um, appears to kill Tommy, though we learn later, of course, that she didn't. And she's got a gun. It's pointed right at Ellie. And she's like, we let you live and you wasted it. You killed all my mm-hmm. friends. You wasted it. Boom. Smash cut to Abby three days earlier. So let's talk about all of that. Yeah. So <laughs> at this point, my gut sank because I was like, man, finally reached the climax of this game. And now I'm going to have to play 40 more hours. <laughs> now you're going back in time. Yeah. Before I get to it. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack here, but, um, uh, uh, well, namely the flashback, right? Like, because right before that Abby sequence is the flashback that we see mm-hmm. where, jo- where Joel finally, like, tells Ellie remorsefully what he did, and she finally finds mm-hmm. out the truth. Well, we've had sort of a series of flashbacks, game. which I think were very well written. Oh, I mean, yeah. again, mm-hmm. individually, the yes. scenes in the game are so well written, but they yeah, do Yeah, I mean, the not... museum scene, we haven't talked about that, but the museum scene, man. The museum scene is incredible. Yeah. No, they're fantastic. Yeah, the museum is phenomenal. That's my favorite part of the game, the museum. It's like Those quiet moments are amazing. I would play a game. If Naughty Dog made a game that was like only quiet moments, I would you love gotta it. Play left, you still haven't played Left Behind. Like That was no, the most I'd Left like Behind to. section. That, that game almost is that, Jason, but I get yeah. why you're sick of Last of Us right yeah, now. You I'm don't want to play it, but maybe someday. But the other scene I really liked is there's like the hotel scene where Ellie tries to confront Joel and mm-hmm. he continues to lie to her. And I thought that was really interesting. And that was where I thought they were going to leave it with mm-hmm. the two of them and I feel like that would have been a smarter choice or or do something different like what I suggested where Ellie knows all along and she's crushed by this guilt and we see that reflected in some type sure, of way sure. but but that awkward scene where Joel just keeps lying to Ellie and like you can tell the lie is Amazing. destroying them really, really like good. it's yeah. so well written and then it's so undercut later by the fact that everything's apparently fine between them and they've never or at least on the way to becoming fine yeah Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker are so good together like that, the, it's great that they got that scene because that scene is like dynamite. It's great, I and it, it feels like the two of them. Like it feels mm-hmm. like the characters I remember in a really mm-hmm. powerful way, and then that's why I'm so disappointed by everything else. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like those scenes. So something I love about the first game is that it ends on that great delivery by Ellie by Ashley Johnson saying, "Okay,", okay. like yes, what, and you're left. It's left ambiguous whether she actually believes what he's saying. It's clear there's like some some hint of doubt in there, but, but like, it seems like she doesn't. Yeah, it yeah. also it also feels like she very much wants to believe him, and mm-hmm. that. I thought was going to be kind of part of what we saw and then it seems like that's almost like the power of that is stripped away by us seeing her continually prodding at him for the truth because it felt like the whole time she wanted to believe him and I almost believe like based on the Ellie from The Last of Us 1 I feel like she would want to live that lie rather than like like hounding uh, him constantly. That I don't agree with no. But then there's not a game right? I mean I don't know I, I feel like that's part of that's the argument for not having this game is is to just be like it's more interesting if she do- if it doesn't exist. Yes, Maddie, yeah, yeah. And, and there is an argument that maybe this game shouldn't have existed. Kirk, I think that the whole point of that, like, I mean, one of my takeaways from the first game, and I haven't played it since it came out, so I might be misremembering parts or whatever. But one of my takeaways was that Ellie like grew so fond of Joel as her father figure that like she was willing to accept that in order for their relationship to continue, and like that was the whole point of the end was that like she was like she was like promise me, and then she. She really wanted to believe him, even if part of her yeah. didn't. Like she was willing to accept that, and that's what that okay meant, at least to me. So, of like course. to me, that Ellie, I don't really buy would keep bothering Joel, like because she doesn't believe him. Like I just don't buy that she would keep prodding him. 
No, the, I, I buy that completely. Like, I think it's believable that you would say, okay, I can deal with this. And then over time, it would just eat at you and you'd have mm-hmm. to keep coming back to it. I mean, obviously, it could go either way, but that, I don't have a problem with that as a narrative development. That's fine. And the way they perform it is just so believable. She was never 100%. But I think she knew that it would destroy their relationship if she found out the truth. That's the thing. And that's of why course. she said that, okay. Yeah, but, like, she was 13, and, like, that she would grow, slowly grow older and, like, realize, like, fuck, I just, I don't know if I can let this, leave this stone unturned, even though I know that I can't turn it over because it'll destroy my life. I have to. That's, like, good stuff. Like, that's... Yeah, that's a fair point. Right. And it's also, like, she knows the truth. And, I mean, I feel like this is why it disappoints me that this game isn't about zombies, because I feel like that would be the thing that would truly haunt Ellie enough into needing to poke and prod at the truth. Right, the disease continuing and continuing to wreck people because exactly. she didn't create a vaccine yeah yeah that's what the fact that that isn't even touched is like yeah really a i bummer. know it's i feel like it's a missed opportunity and to instead have the game be about these two human factions and to have ellie be killing so many humans oh my with God, yeah. very little guilt about it seemingly as opposed to being constantly crushed by the weight that she or joel doomed the world and she's aware of it and she has this immunity that no one else has like yeah. none of those moral quandaries seem to be top of mind for her which is very odd like that would really be fucking with me <laughs> yeah no i think that's a really good point is like that guilt of like i am the one immune person in this world we miss our opportunity to do something right and she it. brings it up in that hotel scene that i maintain i really liked is that she sees the bodies and she's like i can't believe like you're, you're sure there were other people who were immune like right. it, it wasn't just me and joel's like right. yeah <laughs> well so one of the other things about this game is that to your point about it, how the zombies are just forgotten left aside yeah we never actually see any anybody turn or anybody get like right. really other than that like the rattlers gone, that tension seemingly. of like people people getting like the risk of turning that was such right. a huge part of the first game and like people had to die because they were gonna they were turning and like that was there's a there is the whole scene with Nora where she pulls her down into the spores but it, and in Nora that situation turn. it's used as a torture device which no, is sure, like sure. so much more inhumane especially from the one character who's immune that like we're meant to believe that she's again gone so far beyond the moral pale that now the zombie virus is just used as yet another means of violence. Yeah, no. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about the tension. I'm talking about the tension right. about, like, this character who we like and Ellie is friends with and, like, like uh-oh, she's yeah. a, the kind of classic zombie trope of, like, is a, what do you do to this yeah, character? in the first game. The thing that happens in the first act of the first game. But, yeah, but the difference between this and, like, a classic zombie show or The Walking Dead or whatever is because you have that vaccine aspect of it all and the fact that Ellie missed her opportunity to be the the healing that, that stops the zombie outbreak that is really to Maddie's point a missed opportunity I very much agree with you there but it's not even a part of this game anymore like nobody's even looking for that anymore it's like it's already done it's already well presumably in part three the fire the new fireflies will be looking for for a vaccine I don't know they're killing a lot of doctors around here I don't (laughs) think anybody's gonna be left I okay so Abby's Seattle this I mean I like this part a lot, actually, and it's mm-hmm. it it's only it mainly suffers because of the complaint you've made many times, Jason, of how long this game is. That it's yeah. just a very exhausting road to get to the start of Abby's story, and then Abby's yeah. story is actually this kind of like well-told, interesting story about an interesting character in like a kind of fucked-up world trying to figure it out and mm-hmm. having this change of heart and meeting these interesting characters. It's just it comes after thirteen hours or whatever of a whole other characters 
arc. So anyways, yeah, Abby's story. I don't know. We all know what happened. What do you guys think of Abby's story? <laughs> yeah, well, so the thing that really just did not resonate with me at all was the whole Seraphite W. Oh, boy, another thing that one of us didn't like. Man, we're really bumming <laughs> everybody out. I'm sure there are people listening who liked this game. It's too bad. I like, anyways, I like Yara. I like Yara and Lev. I thought they yeah. were good characters. I, I like that Lev. there's like this, uh, I mean, I, I, I am not qualified to talk about a transgender characters, like how they were portrayed and how well they were portrayed in a game. But Riley McLeod over Kotaku wrote a really good piece about that that made me think about some things I hadn't thought about. Um, but I, I just, I thought that they were both good characters and I liked seeing like uh, the type of character who you don't normally see in a video game, this transgender like ap- apostate. Um, but that whole conflict between the Seraphites and the WF and I mean, I didn't even read any Israeli-Palestinian allegories into it um, until I saw other people talking about that and apparently Neil Druckmann meant for that to be there. Um, but I hadn't mm-hmm. originally interpreted it that way, maybe because the two factions are just so in the background and so kind of generic and not really fleshed out at all that I didn't think there was really anything to take away from there. Like it, it felt like first of all yeah. this this conflict is really not introduced until the second half of the game when you're already exhausted. Second of all it just was so in the background and unimportant to the actual story of like Abby and Ellie's arcs that it was just like introducing this whole new plot line to the thing that I barely gave any thought to. So I don't know it didn't none of that worked for me not as an allegory. I didn't even think it was an allegory it just was boring to me kind of like it almost it, it almost is better for me if it's just backdrop conflict and i don't have to think about it as an allegory because it's not it's like less complicated less convoluted to the story and less like grasping at straws and trying to like stretch out this this story that already has one too many folds so yeah i mean for me that didn't really work as as a whole thing yeah the um i do think that um, Abby's relationship with Lev is interesting and is I mean it's the it's the same it's the same as Joel's relationship with Ellie. Yeah. Like it's interesting for that but same it's reason. Good. Because when a character is shaken out of their routine and has to figure out what's wrong with their life because they meet someone new and that's clearly what right. happens. Like that's a good story arc. Yeah. I think classic. The there, it's like there's one too many there's one too many factions or something. The Seraphites don't make yes. sense to me. Or there's like one too many things, period, in this game, but also not enough things. Yeah, well, and I'm not <laughs> and we're not even getting into the to the rattlers and whatever. But like I even here with these three things, it's the so I read all of the collectible things, the the notes that you can find, many of which are like heavy handed in that post-apocalyptic game thing where like uh-huh. it's a person writing their final dying breath yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. trying to get my insulin and i'll just right. honey if only you could get me yeah it's- the safe codes are 427 <laughs> so so this is yeah a lot of safe codes this is a thing that playing on new game plus made me see a little bit more is that when you're playing through seattle as ellie you're getting a lot of foundational building for the WLF. You learn about Isaac. You learn about the fact that the WLF came together as a militia mm-hmm. to fight off Fedra. Fedra was like becoming increasingly like iron fisted over the city. And then yeah. the WLF was like this liberation front. That's what they're called. And like yeah. they kind of stood up to them. But then they, of course, became that which they detested and became <laughs> in this increasingly fascistic giant organization and so then if you really are following that when you go to abby and you see the wlf and all their glory and it's like oh holy and like all shit all the resources they have yeah it's actually really interesting ellie and dina have these conversations on the horse they're like we don't see anybody how many do you think there are and it's clear that ellie kind of is like maybe there aren't even that many of them maybe yeah. it's just a few people yeah. and when you finally see them it's crazy because like abby who you know is jacked as hell and every time you've seen her it's been like wow 
this lady works out. The first yeah, thing you see. Yeah, she clearly has access to a lot of burritos. <laughs> she does has access to burritos and a gym, though. What I was going to say yeah. is the first well, thing you see. Well, she has a lot of Max Fund subscribers. So. Right, of course. Of course. The WLF, very well healed. So she is not only well fed, but she has a gym. And like when you cut to her, she is in front of a bunch of people who are in this fully functioning gym and they're all just working out. And it's like, oh, well, that explains not it. Not only an NFL quality gym, because they're in the yeah. Seattle Of course, Seahawks because stadium. then you see that they're living in this in this giant stadium. And there's this huge society of this massive army of all these people. And it's a pretty amazing reveal in the context of if you've really been paying close attention as Ellie reading about the WLF and finding out who who's who and what's going on, then you learn about them. That's interesting. And the idea of Jackson and the WLF as like two different kinds of communities that sprung up kind of close to one another and have come into conflict is actually maybe that would have been interesting. But then the Seraphites get introduced and that is like so much more information. And (laughs) it's like, it's a lot, man. And this is a long game with a lot of characters, but that's a whole lot to begin getting into. So I definitely agree about that, that it just feels like one too many things. Yeah. I mean, I guess the whole point is that it's supposed to be this parallel of like Abby and Ellie are like the individuals who like violence begets violence the cycle of violence yeah. and then the WLF and, and Seraphites like they keep having these peace treaties and like mm-hmm. they keep trying to wipe each other out and violence beginning violence etc cetera, etc cetera. but like sure, because sure. I don't know it just felt like because so much of that was in the background and like required you to read things and listen to things or whatever is it just doesn't feel like it was fleshed out to the point where it worked as well there's also you know there is a there is some both sides as I'm happening there that bothers me or at least seems as though it could have been a more interesting story if it hadn't done that just because the Seraphites are also awful and like that the first thing you see them doing is like breaking Yara's arm with a hammer or one of the first things you see you see them like hanging people just they're terrifying and they're this horrifying organization and it's the same thing with the WLF where like they're also terrifying all they do is just like kill people on sight and apparently like Isaac just hangs out in torture chambers like just pulling people's teeth out. Yep, he lives at the top of a tower of torture chambers. Yeah, and it's like, so these two groups are just awful, and so then... They're horrible, horrible people The takeaway is, oh, well, all right, well, the only thing to do is to leave both of them and, like, to hell with all of them. And, like, okay, sure, yeah, in this world, (laughs) that's true. Like, they're both clearly shitty. But, like, the idea of the Seraphites as a fallen religious organization that has lost sight of its original founding... Which was only, like, 15 years ago, too. It's taken them no time at all to lose sight of it. (laughs) No, and, like, that story is more interesting. And actually, like, having it be true that one side is being violently oppressed by the other side and, like, doesn't deserve to be oppressed or isn't just equally awful would have just been a more interesting story, in addition to not also just, like, leading to the sort of shoulder-shrugging stuff that is so easy to do all the time that just kind of removes responsibility from anyone in the story. The Bioshock Infinite effect. Yeah. Yeah, or just the world. Like, when people look at any conflict that's happening, they're like, well, there's bad people on both sides. And they're like, oh, it's just too complicated, and who can possibly say? I don't need to think about it past this, right. And uh, Yeah, and I feel like the fact that it is supposed to be an analogy for a conflict that has been going on for yeah. significantly longer is part of what makes it feel in this game as though it doesn't work. And I think that this conflict would probably work better if it weren't trying to be that analogy at all. And if instead it were a different conflict that 
spoke to the narrative that this game is actually trying to tell. And it I would say it right. really fails to do that. And this is this is the second half of the game is where my biggest disappointments happen. Because in my eyes, you you cannot have a game where you're centering queer characters and humanizing them as much as you are, and then just casually introduce like this horrifically oppressive queer phobic cult and just have that be a background antagonist. Mm. Like that's absurd. Like that, if you are a queer person in this world and you find out that exists, like you stop whatever you're doing and you're like, we got to kill those guys. Like <laughs> how does that not alter the entire gravitational pull of right. every character's motivation as soon as they even learn about it. And then to like have these absurd reveal after reveal where like Lev has to kill his own mom eventually oh, Jesus, because yeah, she hates him for being yeah. trans. And then like the story on, I doesn't really navigate how horrific that would be in my opinion but like mm-hmm. To basically just have homophobia as like this backdrop of like, well, you know how terrible people are. I'm like, you can't do that and then also have queer characters be the heroes of your game because that's not how they would act in that situation. Or at least I don't think so. Like, I think Mm -hmm. they would probably be really disturbed by it and would be reacting to that situation aloud, perhaps, and saying things about how they felt about the politics of that. But, But we can't have that because that cult needs to be the one side in this two side thing. And also like the implication by the way, is that that cult is the Palestinians, which that extrapolation is extremely shitty, (laughs) like just full stop. Well, so what's interesting about that analogy is that like in real life, the Israelis and the Palestinian, really Jews and Palestinians are like these two groups of people, these two tribes of people without homes and they're fighting over the same like, tiny square footage of land because they have nobody no place else to go to create a state or at least that that's what it was traditionally that's what traditionally the battle has been about the the conflict has been about Mm -hmm. these two um traditionally like isolated and ostracized group of people the palestinians a lot of them were kicked out of jordan and or kicked out of their own homes when israel was created and the jews have been kicked out of every place for for centuries and and millennia right so it's very much like a place of like this powder keg because they don't have anywhere else to go here right. we have Seattle and a billion other abandoned cities, like I mentioned before, and it just makes no yeah, sense. They're like empty houses as far as the eye can see. Like yeah. they're, we're the Washington Liberation Front, and we really care about Washington and Seattle. We have to be here. We definitely can't Why? be anywhere else. When yeah. clearly, like this, all of America is like ran, like like just Ransack, ample for yeah. the taking. And like you could go set up your civilization anywhere. It just that part baffles me it makes absolutely no sense at all yeah like squabbling over territory right it's bizarre and then to like add on a religious angle that again i don't feel is earned by the story at all is like it just makes it feel bizarre it's like you're elevating the stakes past the point that the story can withstand them you're biting off more than you can chew on every level there Mm -hmm. like i i don't know why you would even introduce those concepts like just have the warring factions be about some other shit like don't don't make it this heavy because now it's like ludicrous to me you know? Yeah, it relies on a read of human nature that is dark and Hobbesian, even for like people who believe that. Even for Hobbes. Yeah, even <laughs> yeah. for Hobbes. I do. I shout out to Emmanuel Mayberg's Vice article yes. 
about this. There's a very well written article advice about the whole. It's the, the headline analogy, is the not so yeah. hidden Israeli politics of the last of us part two. Yeah, and Emmanuel grew up in Israel, so he has mm-hmm. like a lot of the context of it that uh, Neil Druckmann also shares some of, and and he gets into that in the yeah, story. Yeah, it's actually well, it's interesting. I don't think well, I guess I could have known this. Israel's uh, Israel's leader Benjamin Netanyahu is like super right wing, and Israel has gone mm-hmm. like in like increasingly fascist over Israeli mm-hmm. politics and Israeli people have voted in uh, increasingly fascist governments, sort of like America, over the past few years. And so that's an interesting parallel to Isaac for sure. But yeah, right. it is it is uh, the fact that the game, I think it's just so super clumsy because the game doesn't have time to adequately address the power dynamics and the oppressor versus oppressed. And like, it right. doesn't, all it can do is have these two factions as the backdrop and have both be horrible. Yeah. It's just gritty scene because setting. Because yeah. the game has to focus on the people that we care about in Abby and Ellie's story. So it just doesn't work for anybody, really, in a lot of reasons. It's yeah. tough. It. I think that this is one of the things that I wanted more of. I wanted more about the Seraphites and more about Lev in particular and Yara and Lev. And I wanted just more of an exploration of Abby and Lev's relationship because it was one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah. Like, what if that was the game? Yeah. Like, what if you just wasn't about Ellie at all and it was just a story about Abby and Lev and it was a completely different game? I mean... What if this game had the um, the chutzpah to basically <laughs> nice. start with Abby killing Joel and then yes. it's just Abby's and story? Just Abby. <laughs> Abby's story, yeah. Well, so, okay, so... And then at the end, Ellie still tries to Maybe kill you. Ellie and comes you back. just so, don't that know. That would have been kind of amazing. Like, that would have awesome. pissed... Like, the fact that people were so mad already that Abby was a playable character... You know what? Actually, quick sidebar here. It's very interesting that I've seen... There's a whole strain of criticism about this game that seems to be in response to people... To all the people who didn't play it and just got mad that, like, Abby yeah. was a playable character. Which is awful and stupid. So And so boring, like, because no one cares. Like, what we're talking about is, like, the meat of, like, actually getting in there like, and trying to what figure out what works doing. in this game. Well, there's a lot of alt-right reactionary, like, oh my god, it's a queer But imagine couple. how angry those people would have been if literally Abby had killed Joel at the beginning, and then it was just her game. It probably would have been an okay game, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, okay, so, so Kirk, so, okay, so, so, as you guys know, a few months ago, I published a story back when I was at Kotaku about Naughty Dog and Crunch and their work, the kind of development of The Last of Us 2. One of the things I heard mm-hmm. back then, and I should follow up with my sources on this, but one of the things I heard back then was that w- one of the reasons for the crunches they had to do a lot of narrative reboots and one of the reasons they had to do a lot of narrative reboots is because certain characters weren't as likable to the player as the the developers wanted them to be and that made me wonder Mm. and again i should follow up on this and i will see if i can get an answer but it made me wonder if at some point they were playing around with different permeations on the timeline and maybe like you did play as abby earlier and maybe abby wasn't likable and so it just wasn't like you players couldn't get into the story because they couldn't relate to this character who had just killed Jill. So I don't know. And mm-hmm. I've seen that some of the writers like tweeting their their boards of like post-it notes and time cards and all the experimentation yeah. they did. So I'm sure they played around with a lot of these ideas over time. I wonder if they made Abby more likable at the expense of Ellie because I Could feel like be. that's the suffering of this game in the end is yeah. that Ellie is the character you go in wanting to root for and liking because you know her right. and you know Joel. So of course you have a feeling about him dying. But then Abby gets so much 
she she's so sympathetic by the end of the game that it's right. like kind of ridiculous. I mean, I get why they had to do it because they they need you to be on on her team, but I, mm-hmm. I do feel like Ellie loses out in the end. But yeah. hey, no, so we're in the home that. stretch, right? Let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the final act. Yeah, let's get there. The um so just to briefly recap, we go through all of Abby's stuff. Abby fully betrays Isaac on the island with Lev and completely tells the WLF to fuck off, which seems like mm-hmm. it's been a long time coming. Though it also feels a little bit abrupt. She finally comes back she's you know been kind of meeting up with owen we learn the whole backstory of her and owen um she meets up to go meet up with mel and owen mel is dead owen is dead and she finds ellie's god i can't believe this game is still going how many characters jason is extremely impatient at this point she finds ellie's conveniently left behind map and um heads to ellie and we get to see this scene again it feels a little different second time when you see the same thing um she she heads off after ellie and there's a boss fight against ellie where you are playing abby and you defeat Ellie, Abby decides not to kill Ellie at the last minute because Lev tells her not to, which is a great conclusion, actually. Right. Well, Abby is threatening to kill Dina. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So um, Abby is about to kill Dina. Ellie's like, she's pregnant. Abby's like, Perfect. I don't care. Like she's so like, good. She's and good. A pregnant woman for a pregnant woman around here. Right. This is how <laughs> we. This like, is our right. currency. And um, <laughs> then Lev is like, "Don't do it." And she realizes yep. it gets through to Abby, which is a kind of like a great conclusion to their story. It's like, an arc. It's a it complete it's arc. A, yes. Yep. Yes. Like arguably, Abby in this moment realizes she's gone too far, which mm-hmm. is a moment that I don't know if Ellie ever fully gets. No. But we can well, arguably, that when we get to right. the end of the game. Also, well, now we go to the farm. We'll then. get to the end, but like yeah. this, just to briefly, we'll let, we'll go through the whole end in a second, actually, because we can do this all at oh, once. Like. But this, the game could have just ended here. I just want to say, like, this could have been the end of the game. I know. Well, like, so I was, I thought the game could have ended at the farm. Like, that would have been it a nice It could have ended cap. in a lot of places, folks. A few of these places. The farm was like a little bit weird uh, You me. definitely, the game couldn't have ended here. You needed a little more of Ellie's, like, you needed more of a footnote, at least for Ellie's like an epilogue for Ellie. I, don't know. I mean, maybe I wouldn't Ellie's have been story. mad if it had ended here. I, I to be honest, I wouldn't have been. I mad wouldn't about have it. either. I yeah, I wouldn't have either. Okay. I actually didn't like the farm. I would have been like, that's interesting. Yeah, so the, the farm is weird to me, but but we're about to get to it. We'll get there. The so farm. then we go through the whole farm. <laughs> Ellie has PTSD. She's living this dream life on the farm with Dina. Blah, blah, There's blah. a bunch she, of sheep. Everything's great. It's Red Dead Redemption. It? Red Dead Redemption uh, hurting sheep. Tommy comes back. Tommy's an asshole. Can't let it go. Then she decides yeah. she just can't live on the farm. She goes off after Abby. We cut to Abby down in Santa Barbara. She reconnects with the fireflies, but then gets captured by the rattlers. Then Ellie yes. shows up. Ellie has been traveling for a long time. She's all sunburned. And she has left Dina behind, so she's totally alone now. Basically, yeah. Abby is all she she has left. She fights through this massive compound of rattlers, <laughs> kills a whole ton of them. It's super wild fight scene. Those rattlers. Yeah, I love them. Love the rattlers. Love them. Really fleshed out characters there. Really she gets to Abby. This is, it's fine. It's better than they, they had fleshed them out, Jesus. And so then I she know. gets to Abby. Actually, the rattlers are sort of like the uh, They're America. The Catholics. It's interesting. They're about Western <laughs> They're a big metaphor. They're the Crusades. <laughs> They're the Green Party. No, so she gets to, um, she cuts Abby loose. Abby gets love loose. They're gonna go but then Ellie is like, no, no, we need to fight. And I think at this we point... We need another boss fight, but other perspective style, yeah. where we fight each other again, but it's me I now. was like, oh my God, <laughs> no, please no. And But then they fight, and it's super brutal, and they throw down, and Abby... It's so long. And this is when my PS4 crashed in the middle of this yes, fight. Yes, this is when Jason's PS4 crashes. I, it's funny, because I was thinking in my head, like, I wish there was a way I could stop this as the player, because it's so brutal yes. and unpleasant. You can put down your controller, and it will mm-hmm. not or matter. Or the PS4 will crash. 
gosh. Or your PS4 yeah. will overheat from all the polygons on screen. So mm-hmm. Ellie wins the fight. She is about to kill Abby. And then... She sees her reflection right. in the in the water. And she sees the flashback. Before right? this, Abby bites, bites her fingers off. That's important. That's true. She oh, does yes, lose her true. fingers. But she gets the final flashback yes. with, with Joel yeah. where, yes. where it's, it's shown. And she's like, oh, right. I didn't have to do any of this. I can let Abby go. That was her thought process then. <laughs> right. Kind of. So the homophobic guy who like calls Ellie and Dina Dykes at the dance and Joel is going to punch him, which I believe, by the way, that this is how Ellie comes out to Joel or is outed to Joel. It's never fully confirmed, but we do mm-hmm. know that Joel earlier in the flashbacks doesn't know that Ellie yeah. is gay. Yeah. And so I think I think then this, this follow-up scene between them is the moment where Joel is basically like, hey, like it's okay that you're gay and it's okay that you kissed this girl at this dance. And like, mm-hmm. sorry, I got kind of aggro on that homophobe. Nice. I guess nice that scene. was embarrassing for yeah. you, yeah. but like, Joel is a good dad. It's chill. And he's a great dad. He has like the most idealized dad yes. monologue Strong you could ever energy. imagine yep. in your life here where he's like, I love you. I know I'm like, it was kind of bad when I killed that doctor that time, but I'm like, I'm really sorry about it. Let's and, make like, it work. That girl seems really great for you. And like, I believe in you guys and let's make it work and it's like it's like the form of closure that like no one's ever had in their life like it's like the most beautiful (laughs) i think to stand up for this scene a little bit i think it's nice that ellie is like okay we can try like she's like i can't forgive you but i can try or something like that i don't think there's anything wrong with this scene but it's so satisfying it's just it undercuts everything we've seen so far that's the problem with the scene the scene itself i think think is great it's. I think it's almost like they wanted to let you have this catharsis, even mm. though it makes the rest of the game make no sense. But they want mm-hmm. you to be able they don't to want have it to be too sad at the end, Joel. I guess, or something. I mean, I I'm just theorizing as to why it ended up in the final version of the game is that they can't just leave you with Ellie knowing that she'll never have the the beautiful dad monologue from Joel where he's like, I accept you for who you truly are and I love you and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, right. Like you, you want to have that moment from Joel. And so it feels cruel not to get it. But if, but that cruelty has to be there in order to justify all of Ellie's actions in my That's mind. Thing. And yeah, it's, and so I don't know. I feel like the scene would suck ass though. If it were just like an imagination or a dream that Ellie has where she's like, Oh, if only Joel could like speak to me and tell me these things, these are the things I wish he would have said to me, but we can never have these conversations now. That's, that would feel worse to watch, but it would make more sense to me because I'd be like, yeah, that's a good, that would, that would be a good read on it. If that was actually a hallucination that she had, but so, there's absolutely no indication that that's the case. I mean, that would be corny as hell, but I'm, I'm just trying to come up with ways to fix it because it drives me crazy. Well, my, So my struggle with this really, so obviously after this, she, she lets Abby go and that's basically the end right, of the game. And that's the end well, of the game. And then we see her trying to, we have to play a guitar as her and poorly. <laughs> right. And we and, see that Dina has left her because Dina's like, fuck you. Yeah. Dina's, well, Dina's, like, Dina's only character's motivations make sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I do think, you know, by the way, like playing guitar with two fingers, you can play guitar with two fingers. Yeah, you and, like, could you... just restring it the other way too and just yeah. strum with that hand. Also it's true. Fine. Right. And you don't have to mute strings the way that she's like, I really love the guitar minigame. It's very accurate, but I've played guitar with, your chords aren't all fucked up. I, yeah, I was so surprised to see that interpretation of it. Like people mm-hmm. kept being like, oh, it's she lost her two fingers, she can never play guitar again. And I was like, oh, I never read There's the scene that so way. so many ways you all. can play guitar. Like right. I just read the scene as her sadly playing guitar because she's sad and like that's the end. No, it's definitely meant to be read the way that... But it, that any anyone who's ever played a string instrument knows, though, that it, you can keep playing it. 
<laughs> so but that's my that's my complaint. But that's not no. The point is that okay. But the practical well, that's kind of the Last of Us two in a nutshell. It's like when you think about it too hard, it doesn't make sense. But the point of that scene <laughs> is that her 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 vengeance like took away the one thing that mattered most to her, uh, not Justina well, but also she guitar. can restring the guitar it's specifically fine. <laughs> in the guitar mini game. The chords don't work because her fingers right. are muting strings that right. shouldn't be muted, and that would not right. actually happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but let me to the narrative though. That was just my little like nitpick with an extremely detailed guitar game that then chooses to omit a Best detail at the, the very game. end. Best part of the game. Well, it's kind of a metaphor for the game. Actually, no, never mind. I'm going to take this guitar digression and turn it into a narrative critique. It's kind of similar to the game in that there is this immaculately detailed guitar minigame. It accounts yes. for the freaking capo. You're playing in the key of E flat at the beginning when Joel has a capo on the third fret. Everything about it is totally accurate. And then at the very end, they actually get rid of accuracy and have her accidentally muting strings with three fingers, which is just not something that would happen if you had three right. fingers to play the guitar with. And that And that lets them use this metaphor of like the guitar, her connection to Joel is like severed. She's kind of ruined her life or whatever. Her hand is broken. She is broken. But actually she would be able to move on. So maybe that is, there is a nice little metaphor there. If I had been reviewing the game, maybe I would have used that or something. Mm. But Mm. the thing, the thing that uh, look, going back to the scene of the flashback, the conversation with Joel, the realization she apparently has about how this was, all of whatever she shouldn't have done this and she's going to let Abby go. This game is like a very weird argument in favor of restorative justice. And I've actually been like reading more about restorative justice lately because it's a very interesting concept. But restorative justice is really built on the idea of like communication between the person who was harmed and the person who did the harm. And the whole idea is that you need to like restore the harm that was done by both parties. And this game really like emphatically and at great length makes the argument that doing harm is a problem and that you can't fix harm with harm. It is definitely making that statement. But the restorative justice part of it never happens because Abby and Ellie never talk. And I understand that like the game is clearly doing that on purpose. The whole idea is that like Abby was never even aware of Ellie until the very end of Ellie's trip. It's like something is happening. Someone's killing our people. But it isn't until really near the end that Abby realizes, oh, it was this girl that I let live. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of by design that they don't actually intersect. But it felt like that was missing. Like there's so many ways that you could explore them having a conversation about what happened and Abby just leaves. And I get that. It's like, it feels in some abstract way, like poetic for her to just go away on a boat and it just ends. And yeah, we don't always get the resolutions that we want. And sometimes people just walk away and don't communicate. But this is a story about two characters that I just got that's, to yeah, know. That's, and That's also crazy, though, because we just got an absurd resolution with Joel. That <laughs> right, right. That underlines it. Arguably yes. only agree, for agree. the player's benefit mm. and comfort. So you can't even really say that this is a this is just, you know, life is unresolved. Like if that was the theme. Exactly. Yes. I could jive with that because I'd be like, OK, yeah, like people. People are complicated. People do stupid shit. Doesn't make any sense. Sometimes things are unresolved. If the game just ended in a weird way and was like, yeah, like Abby and Ellie never really figured out what each other's deal was and like Ellie fucked things up and like, oh, well, like that would be very unsatisfying, but bold and interesting. But instead, it's like it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it, too, because it wants to have it both ways. Completely agree. It wants you to have that resolution between Ellie and Joel and like that comfort. But it doesn't want Abby to just tell Ellie that Joel killed her dad, which 
drove me insane. I was like, please, come on, somebody, somebody tell. Yeah. And I, and you know, it's not that I was looking for some big, long, drawn out, you know, contrived scene where they finally right. talk it out. It's just that this, the, there's so much there in the communication that they could have that making this like decision that's kind of dressed up in artfulness to have them never interact. In the end, the more I think about it, and I've really thought about this game a lot, and I've played it a lot, the more I feel like, I'm like, I just wish I could have seen that. I wish I could know what that conversation was, because we got so many other conversations that resolved in so many other ways, so many believable relationships that, like, were explored in interesting ways, and that the actors really got to play off of one another. And in this specific relationship between Abby and Ellie... It's not just that they didn't talk. It's that there were so many times that they came into conflict. And, like, the game had three endings or whatever. And it just kept yeah. going. And that kept not happening. And eventually you're just like, what? why are we doing this it thing with the Rattlers where yeah. Ellie goes down here? Like, why do this if not to yeah. have some sort of more meaningful resolution than just a flashback to Joel and her deciding, oh, hell with it. I'm not going to kill her after all. Yeah. It's too bad, too, because, like, the overall conceit of the game, which I don't know that anybody else, but I know Neil Druckmann described really wanting to make a game at some point that followed the structure where, like, you play as one person and then you play as their mortal enemy and you mm-hmm. see both sides of the conflict and then by the end of it, you're like, I don't know who was right, which that's a cool idea. I don't Absolutely. know that it works in the world of The Last of Us, but clearly he found a way and he and the other people who made the game found a way to try to make it work in the world of The Last of Us. But I don't even feel like this game succeeds at that premise because, again, like that story is so much more interesting if you actually sympathize with both characters and you see both of their sides the whole way. And also mm-hmm. if you have that cat and mouse like hero and enemy thing that happens in media and is always really fun Mm -hmm. like it's also the failing of batman v superman which we have joked around (laughs) about but like the reason why that movie also doesn't work is because the conflict between those two guys is just never really fleshed out in a meaningful way and they're just like a couple of action figures that you slam together and like this game is doing that same shit and like it would be so much more compelling if they both started to second guess themselves halfway through the journey learned more about each other and kept being like ah like is this kind of fucked up like this is another teen girl who lost her dad like what Mm -hmm. should I not be doing this like that's interesting like that's the kind of shit that people do when they're on a journey well even if they didn't find out each other's motivations like the fact that Ellie never once questions herself is pretty and like not believable at all it's wild yeah not until after she kills a pregnant woman and even at that point she just feels bad about it for like maybe an hour and it's like come on like have that moment where you're like we should we should stop doing this i mean like tommy has a moment where he's like we should turn back but like you can even introduce ambiguity that way this is de niro and pacino in heat in the cafe when they sit down and they talk to each other and it's the it's the best scene in the movie for a reason like it's amazing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't resolve their differences i mean they still are enemies at the end of the scene but it's a great scene and this game is not interested in that scene and while i know like i've said a few times i feel like it's dressed up in this kind of arty thing of oh well isn't that profound that they never interact because violence etc etc they never talk if only they talk and that they're so similar and they'll never realize how similar i think it feels at times to me more like a punt like it was like well this would just be really hard to conceive of narratively because it's actually just kind of easier and cleaner if they never interact because we can just tell this story right because then what would you do afterwards yeah but it winds up not being clean at all because when you think about ellie's motivations for even a second it all just kind of falls apart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it just it doesn't quite quite doesn't quite add up in the end i 
Man, we've gone on a, quite a while. I, th- I feel like we're at the end. I feel like we've reached the end of our done of it. our yeah. journey. Well, so so the big the big question is like like I wonder if if the game would have resonated more with me at least if there was a different structure to it. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like if it was yeah, like, like a couple Ellie Day One, then Abby Day One, and like a kind of right. whether if it did that maybe or if it were fewer days in total. I, I agree with you about the length, and I feel like I would be more willing to believe that Ellie stayed impulsive and mad if it weren't three days because I feel like after the first few hours that would wear off and she'd start to be like, what am yeah. I doing? Fuck. Well, not like, to mention I, it probably took a day or two to get from Jackson to Seattle in right. the first place. Right. And even in that time, wouldn't you start questioning it and being like, man, I really think I know why those people killed Joel and should I tell everybody about it? Yeah. Or mm-hmm. what do I think here? Like, I, I feel like those, those, that questioning would be encroaching on her mindset the entire time. And I didn't really feel like that was visible, but if you compress the timeline more and I don't know, the out of order stuff was weird to me and I'm not sure it really served the story in the end. Like sometimes yeah. I felt like it worked really well, but there were other times when I was just like, this felt like it was out of order for the sake of it. Yeah. And no, I don't think it worked so well. Yeah. I think yeah. that the compress, I think that the structure itself on its face is cool and that mm-hmm. it was, yeah, the pacing was a little off and then the flashbacks were also off. I think this is what you were essentially saying, Maddie, is that right. like those are the things that weren't quite there. If it had been a more compressed timeline, the idea of telling Ellie's complete story up to that point and then switching to Abby is like really interesting, and that's fine. Also, because the intro is doing an intercut between them, and right. then the outro also does too. Like it's it's tidy, it's like tidily structured, but it was it's just a little flabby in places. And then yeah, some yeah. of the flashbacks, especially the Ellie flashbacks, are just kind of like okay, um, why did I need to learn this information now and not, you know, earlier not in the game? Not, like, earlier so there's or later? Some yeah. issues there. I do think, though, that it's structured okay. Like, I think that... I don't think if it were completely structured differently, I would have felt differently about the story. If it were the same story and just told in a different order, I would have yeah. basically had the same issue. It just was kind of missing a few moments of clear motivation for Ellie. Was she on a suicide mission? Or was she on a revenge mission? Or, like, what did she really feel about what happened and what Joel did? Like, what, you know, yeah. and we never really fully got an idea of that, which then leaves her feeling murky. Same thing with Abby. What was Abby and Lev? Like, what did Abby really think of Lev? You know, did we just need to, I wanted a little more of them hanging out like a little more to understand that like we got with Joel and Ellie in the first game so for me it's more like more of that and then I guess probably a little less of the zombie fighting that I like so much <laughs> like it's it's okay just a little yeah. less or maybe like less of yeah. the other characters as, as much as I enjoyed so many of them there's like a lot of other side characters in this game mm-hmm. and that's fine but I'm just like you could have had a shorter game about fewer people and backgrounded more stuff and and had the background items be chosen really carefully to illustrate the points you wanted to make as opposed to just being like huge diversions that then felt like they were kind of what the game was about but also it wasn't about basically game's too long um (laughs) (laughs) we've come full circle the game is too long so it also i mean something something we've kind of been dancing around here but haven't really gotten at is that the point so the point of the last of us one was to make you ask the question like is is it would you save your daughter over like millions of people right and that's that's like a classic question is something that nobody really can properly answer because it's such a tough one the point of the second last of us is to ask like is violence worth it is revenge worth it and it's such a kind of silly simple question and like the 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 
takeaway of the game is like, no, violence begets violence, which is such an obvious thing. Like, I don't think anybody is going into this game thinking like, oh, you know what? Violence really is the solution to to all of my problems. That I think that is one of the reasons. Yeah, like as soon as I as soon as Abby kills Joel, she's gonna feel yeah, great. Yeah, she's gonna feel so much better be about herself. So I think that's one of the reasons that it rings so hollow is that like you're not getting anything out of this. Like I don't feel like I, I got anything out of it. To add right. to that also, it's that because the big question doesn't really like isn't super compelling in the way that it was in the first game you're i was at least left with the character stuff which moment to moment is really good but in the big picture doesn't add up as much and because i'm not as driven by like the big question of like was this revenge worth it it clearly just was not from the very beginning i'm trying to like get something out of the character stuff and then it makes the fact that the character stuff like doesn't totally add up and the motivations are a little weird and i'm not sure where ellie even went in this story that much less satisfying because I'm also not getting anything out of that. So it's like it kind of compound the two problems compound one another. Ellie Ellie Mm -hmm. transformed from a broken teenage girl into a broken teenage girl. That was her heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a very sad arc for her. Yeah. I mean it's I I have to just sit with the fact that Ellie is a broken person. And I mean that's a bold choice, I guess. Is like she is a sad selfish person yeah. in this game yeah and that's but and that's, i don't know that's who she it. turned out to be well that's so. sad All right, sad game depressing game <laughs> sad game it was a sad game yeah, sad game Miserable really sad game. game so yeah don't don't murder a bunch of people i guess i mean my final <laughs> takeaway is my final takeaway is like i said at the beginning i'm glad that games i'm glad that naughty dog is like taking this ambitious stab at like telling the story that actually means yeah, something me too, actually. and compared to so many other triple a games like it it's it's so much more powerful and impactful and and I just appreciate the ambition of it, um, but didn't work for me way too long. Just not an enjoyable experience. I'm really not sure. I, I guess, well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for other critics' motivations or anything, but I'm actually, I'm really not sure why so many people like love this game so much because I really don't see that other than like, obviously, it's beautiful. And like, I mean, I guess if you're playing it and now, yeah, I, mean, I don't it's, know. It's- beautiful looking it, well acted and exceptionally well made it's very like, well made yeah. yeah but i guess maybe the story resonated more with other people but it really did not sit well it, with and it's, me it's fantastically entertaining from moment to moment i mean like as it a is. roller coaster it experience like, but i didn't even agree with that because i felt like it dragged oh, well, so much I for do. me well that but, but that's subjective but yeah. you can see why someone would feel that sure, subjective yeah, like, sure, that's definitely. why other critics liked it though it's like a phenomenally yeah, okay. well-made video Fair game enough. like yeah, yeah, I think fair that's enough. Why. But yeah, this game was like super, like a lot of people were calling it a masterpiece, like the best thing Naughty Dog's ever done. But I mean, it, it reminds me of Bioshock Infinite for the same mm. reason that you just said like a few sentences ago, which is that I'm like, I, that game, I have so many problems with the politics that it's espousing and like the themes of it. But but the fact that it was ambitious and that it was trying to say a lot of things that AAA games, like a lot of times they do play it safe and they wouldn't like strike these many notes and Mm -hmm. i don't think the notes all work together here but i'm glad somebody's out there striking them with a huge budget and being like yeah let's uh do analogy for the israeli-palestinian conflict why not let's have a a queer female lead and like unabashedly show her having a sex scene and like let's also have a woman female characters be like bloodthirsty as fuck yeah. and like unapologetic about it like a there's jacked a woman with jack triceps jack to hell <laughs> like there's a lot of things this game does that i'm just like man it's fucking rad that a game is, is doing these things i wish they all fit together better yeah. but i also look at all of those risks and i'm like I get 
why they don't fit together because I can only imagine how many meetings there were where people were like, sure. God, we're, we're taking so many risks with this game already. Like we have to play it safe with, with some things like wh- how, what are we going to keep? What are we going to leave on the cutting f- mm. room floor? Like I'm, I'm sure those conversations were stressful. And like, I know a lot of people who used to work at Irrational and like, I've heard so many things about like ideas that were almost in Bioshock Infinite that were a lot riskier and were like weirder and were less of the both sides safe shit that that game did in the end. Like, there were other versions of that game that were not mm-hmm. the game we got. And I'm sure that's true in this game too. And that's fascinating to me. So I'm oh, yeah. glad it exists. And I think it's going to push the needle forward, which I would argue Bioshock Infinite did too. Like now we look at that game and we're like, yeah, like Daisy Fitzroy was clearly right. And like everything else here is ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, I think in the future we'll look back on this game and we'll be like, yeah, Lev was the best or whatever. I don't know. We'll, mm-hmm. I don't know what we'll say. I don't know what we'll say in 10 years, but right. uh, it'll be interesting. And, will- and it'll be a cool footnote. We will definitely find out in 10 years. For now, though, I think we should call it. This was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, we uh, thanks again to everybody who wrote in about this. Thanks for subscribing. Yes, thank you. And thank you for being members during this Max Fun Drive to listen to our Beans casts as we talk and talk and talk and spill beans everywhere. Links to all those articles that we talked about, videos that we talked about, will be in the show notes if you want to check those out. There's so much great reading, so much great criticism has been done about this game, so do go and read those people. But yeah, I think that's it. Uh, We have reached the end of the line, just like Ellie and Abby. So, Maddie and Jason, I will see you soon to record more Triple Click. Yeah, see you soon. Yay! Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.